Welcome everybody. F1 feast. It is six in the morning. About four days after the Brazilian Grand Prix took place, and here we are from the filibuster freestyle presenting F1 feast. And as has been the theme all season, and as has been the theme after the summer break in F1, the chances of us having a theme song and having a meal associated with the F1 Grand Prix's host country and having a podcast, that combination is getting rarer and rarer, a.k.a. more rare. And so you're not going to get a meal. You are going to get a pod. And uh, one out of three ain't bad. Here we go. So Max Verstappen wins. And here comes the theme song. And let's talk about the rest of the race, including the incredible bad luck of Charles Leclerc from Ferrari after the theme song. Filibuster, filibuster freestyle. Filibuster, filibuster Watch out for the filibuster. Filibuster, freestyle. Filibuster, freestyle. It's the filibuster freestyle. Filibuster, freestyle. Theme song for filibusterfreestyle.com in the books. Let me tell you about my friends from Pop Sketch Designs. Follow them on Instagram at Pop Sketch Designs. Or go to the Etsy store, etsy.com slash shop slash pop sketch designs. And you will not be sorry if you're looking for holiday gifts, swag, sports related, music related. You're not going to be sorry. You can get something for yourself while you're there. Pop Sketch Designs has got what you need. And that goes from headwear to hoodies, even to onesies for your little kids. Boom. Roasted. There you go. Okay, let's talk about the F1 feast that didn't happen. Brazil has got incredible cuisine. We haven't had the time to even get five hours, six hours of sleep in a row lately since daylight savings ended. Those of you with children know that, uh, young children especially, know that they do not care about an hour shifting forwards or backwards. They're going to do what they're going to do. And I'm not going to lie. I think before children... You like the 25-hour fall back day versus the fall ahead day. It's 23 days, three hours long in the spring. I honestly think it works the other way when you have young kids because the extra hour just means they're up earlier. And when you lose the hour, it means they're actually up later. And I don't know, man, but they don't care about the hour. So let's talk about the race. All right, so like so many races, especially I feel like in the last two months, there was a chance for somebody to not even be able to start the actual race, and Charles Leclerc, as they say, binned it and crashed his Ferrari during the formation lap, which is not even part of the race. So that's bad luck, but that's not the first person to have something like that happen this year. Yuki Tsunoda had it happen as well. Kind of feels like it's happened to UK like twice, but there are definitely times when cars can't get through the formation lap, and, and unfortunately for Charles Leclerc, who I believe qualified second, which is fantastic for him and Ferrari, he didn't even get to race lap one. Not to be outdone, several cars didn't get out of the actual first lap of the race. Um, Kevin Magnuson is likely the culprit in terms of, again, 
I'm not here to blame him. Other podcasts like to play things like whose fault is it anyway? What can it you? Missed Apex Pod, which by the way is a great bit. But to me, it, whether you know Kevin Magnuson was clearly critically involved and it did not go well. And so K Mag ends up taking out himself, Alexander Albon as well. Joe Guanju, I forget how he got knocked out of the race. But he did, and as did his Alfa Romeo teammate, Valtteri Bottas. So, terrible day for Alfa Romeo. Tough day for Kevin Magnussen. Tough day for Alex Albon, who, again, he gets crashed into on the first lap when he, Magnussen, and Magnussen's teammate, Nico Hulkenberg, are all basically three cars trying to put three cars into a two-pound sandwich. And somehow Hulkenberg came out of it the the least scathed, not unscathed, but Magnussen... Albon can't continue, which is a bummer for Albon because, again, he's really been a breath of fresh air at Williams. Rounding out the field that actually did finish um, because George Russell couldn't finish either. He had to pit his car later or pit his car much later in the race and also more on him later. But Piastri had trouble with the car too. Oscar Piastri and McLaren finishes two laps off the pace, but he does finish. Danny Ricardo, we had a huge week last week in Mexico. He ends up in a place where he finishes the race. But if you look at the replay, the wheel from one of the cars that was involved in the Albon, Magnussen, Hulkenberg dust-up, one of the back tires from one of those cars bounced down the track in the air, landed on the back wing of Danny Rick's Alpha Tauri. And... Uh, you know, it took them a while to get Danny Rick back into the race. So really can't grade Danny Rick's performance other than wrong place, wrong time for a tire to crash into your car, unbeknownst to you. Nico Hulkenberg, we talked about in 11th, sorry, 12th. And then in 11th, almost being able to score points for the second time ever in his career was the American Logan Sargent, who did come in just out of the points. In the points, and again, some of this is attrition in that, George Russell basically burned his car out and had to retire it. And he was running in a position where he probably would have been 7, 8, 9, 10 for sure. <clears throat> he has to retire the car, so everybody kind of moves up, moves up a spot. Esteban Ocon gets a point for Alpine, which means Alpine scores twice because Pierre Gasly comes in seventh. Yuki Sonoda, best finish of the year, I believe, in ninth in the Alpha Tauri. And then Lewis Hamilton, I think he might have qualified sixth, but eighth place, that car, the Mercedes in general, essentially had a parachute on it, according to the uh, onboard radios. You know, it's it, they couldn't get enough downforce for the turns, or they couldn't, well, their floor wasn't bringing downforce naturally to the turns. And this is what I've heard from some technical podcasts. And so Mercedes has to dial up the manufactured downforce, which means in the straightaways, they're garbage. And that's what they were. And so for Lewis to get four points on the day, good for him. But between this performance by the Mercedes car's ability in Brazil and Lewis and both Lewis and Charles Leclerc getting deked points for top six finishes, Lewis being second uh, a couple weeks ago at Circuit of the Americas, Lewis is no longer in a position, I think, unless he goes bananas in these final two races to catch Checo Perez for second place. 
and now he's fighting off Alonzo and um, Lando Norris for third in the, in the drivers' championship. But Lewis eighth, Pierre Gasly seventh. The Ferraris people felt like they had a good chance to have a good day, but the guy who did the best in qualifying, Charles Leclerc, was out. Like we said before, the race started. But Carlos Sainz finds a way to get sixth and chip away, chip away four more points into Mercedes constructors lead as the second place team, and then. The top five, actually, besides the second place finisher, but four of the top five are very reminiscent of the beginning of this season when Red Bull and Aston Martin were dominating and quasi-dominating out of the gate. Now, Red Bull has been dominating for two straight years. Aston Martin, they basically had about a half a year of dominance. But Lance Stroll, who everybody is basically saying should be done as a Formula One racer, from a can't-do-it standpoint, he finds a way to have a great weekend. He comes in fifth place. Checo Perez has what for him is a great record weekend in for the Red Bull car that is his dominant, an expected result. He comes in fourth place, less than a second behind Fernando Alonso. Alonso back on the podium for a first time in a long time. Alonso had podium basically that if not seven for seven to start the year, kind of like first eight races, seven podiums, hadn't been back to podium land and is now finds a way to completely outdrive Checo Perez. And Fernando Alonso's in a worse car, finds a way to completely outdrive Checo Perez and get on that podium. But the real story of the day was the only car that was within eight, nine seconds of Max Verstappen was Lando Norris in McLaren. Lando had a great weekend. Lando's been having great weekends, period. And while Lando's teammate, Oscar Piastri, struggled this week, Lando did not. And McLaren continues to really impress here in the latter stages of the season. They were nowheresville in, you know, before Australia at the beginning of the year. They had one of the worst openings to the year possible in the first two, three races. But McLaren has been on it for really since Austria, I believe. Certainly since Silverstone in England. They've been on it. And the question really just becomes, when does Lando Norris actually get a podium? And considering that this is a year in which only Ferrari has won one race, Every other manufacturer has won zero, and Red Bull has won the rest. I don't know that it's a fair year to say, will Lando ever win the big one in terms of win the actual race? The fact that he keeps coming in second and third in the McLaren, and the McLaren seems to be going in the right direction developmentally, it really just becomes, does Max's car have a bad luck weekend? Do both Red Bulls have a bad luck weekend? Or does the Red Bull dominance ever a little bit in 24 or 25? And is Lando in a car that has the ability to actually catch Red Bull? Because the only weakness Red Bull had was in that, that Singapore track, if I remember correctly. It's the only place the Red Bull wasn't by far the fastest car. So Lando's doing a great job, and then Max obviously getting it done. Good for Max. And so what are we looking at here? We're looking at the race for second in terms of the driver's championship. Checo's is, he's up 32 points with two races left. He would need to have a tough time, and Lewis would need to have an awesome time. Lewis is 28 points ahead of Fernando Alonso in the battle for third, but then Alonso has 198. 
Norris is 195, Sainz is 192, and even Leclerc at 170 and Russell at 156 are all really within 30, you know, in some cases, three, three, four points of each other, and in some cases, 10, 20 points of each other. A lot of action could happen between place number three and place number eight, but especially place four, number six. Sorry about the sniffling. It's one of those days. It's early in the morning. And apparently my nose wants to run. Uh, rounding out the top ten, Oscar Piastri in ninth. Lance Stroll, those points that he got today got him back into the top ten. He was out of the top ten, but he's now one point ahead of Peter Gasly of Alpine. Slightly behind, all by himself, in 12th place land is Esteban Ocon. All by himself in 13th place land is Alex Almon. And then you've got more of a bunched up, you know, final 14 to 22. Logan Sargent now has a point. Liam Lawson, two races, two points. And then of the guys who've been driving more than that, or who aren't rookies, Magnussen, 19th. Zhugan Zhou. Zhugan Zhu, excuse me. Uh, six points, 18th place, tied with Danny Ricardo, who's had less races to do it in six, play, six points. Hulkenberg in 16th with nine. Botas in 15th with 10. Sonoda, 14th place, 13 points the hard way. But, uh, you know, again, Sonoda's been doing a pretty good job overall most of the time in a crap car. Let's look at the constructors, and then let's talk about the fact we only have two races left in this year. One is the debut race in Las Vegas. And then, of course, you get Abu Dhabi to end it. But Red Bull is 400 points ahead of Mercedes in the constructors. Mercedes has 382 points. Red Bull has more than doubled that. They have 19 out of 20 wins. And uh, not a lot to say besides domination station. Mercedes holding on to a 20-point lead over Ferrari, 382 to 362. And then McLaren is a good 80 points behind Ferrari. So it will either be Mercedes or Ferrari in second place. And then Aston Martin with a resurgent Brazilian Grand Prix have shaved their deficit to McLaren to now 21 points. So there's definitely some doubt as to can't Aston Martin catch McLaren, but conceivably they could. And so battle for second is intriguing. Battle for fourth is intriguing. Alpine will come in sixth. No questions about it. And then Williams at 28 points leads Alvatore by seven. Alvatore has 21 points. They leave Alfa Romeo by five. Alfa Romeo has 16 points. And Haas has 12. So Haas could leap conceivably Anybody between Williams, AlphaTauri, and Alfa Romeo. Williams, that, that, that quartet cannot, none of that quartet can do any higher than seventh. But it'll be intriguing to see if Williams can hold on for seventh. Because Williams has typically been an eighth or ninth, sorry, a ninth or tenth place car. And poor Haas, you know, they got out of the basement for a while, but they seem to be back, barring a big result in the last two races. So we're down to the home stretch. And my observations, other than, you know, it's been a really interesting season aside from Max's dominance. But you have to tip your cap to the dominance. My observations are, this was the wrong year to aspire for a video cooking podcast that also covered F1. It was trending that way early. I thought it would trend better after the summer break. It has trended worse after we moved studios 
after we moved locations, thought uh, there'd be more. There was less. As uh, Charlotte, the producer, who hasn't been on in a long time, makes some noise on the baby monitor. Regardless, um, we're committed to the bit till the end, and we're going to reassess over the over the winter break. You know, how do we do this podcast concept more accurately to what we envisioned a year ago? But in the interim, we will see everybody in Vegas. Not literally, of course, but we will see you in Vegas for the debut of the Las Vegas Grand Prix.